0: Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host Patrick Lyons, and joining me today on the show, coming in relief. In relief. With Susie's down in Washington D.C., where the Rockies could have used some relief. It's Kenneth Weber of I, Purple Rose, the gone, emergency
1: buddy? reliever. I wasn't planned necessarily, but when I'm needed, I'm here.
0: You are. You are. You are here. Uh, Susie's <laughs> there. I'm also here next to you. Relief pitching, man. It's a son of a gun. Rockies lose their last two games since we last talked to you. Tuesday night and Wednesday, they had leads. They looked really good. Justin Lawrence blew the save opportunity on Tuesday night. I wanted to ask you this. He came in in the seventh. It would have been a three-out save. It's just one of those statistical anomalies to say, hey, Justin Lawrence blew the save on Tuesday night. It would have needed to have been a three-out. Inning save. So you're either going to get a a hold for your two innings, which is what Buddy was hoping for, or you're going to get a blown save. Mm -hmm. Eh, It's not the same thing as blowing in the ninth like Daniel Barr did today.
1: If he does go the distance, I feel like there should be like a higher category, a higher bar for him to clear a super save, if you will. And that's, I mean... It's it's the trust that you have in Justin Lawrence. He's done everything to deserve being the guy who gets the ball, and it's not overly strained, kind of the way that Suter was today. He gave two really clean innings, yeah. about twenty pitches. Do you give him out there for a third? So um, it's not a far fetched notion, and Lawrence just, Lawrence deserves that opportunity. But yeah, it's just a tough two days.
0: What would you would you have liked to see Justin Lawrence go out for the ninth in today's game, up four one in Washington, looking to win the series against the Nationals? Were you thinking that?
1: I think, it's, but he was going that way. It's a situation suited for him, um, but he kind of got overextended the night before. I think that I, I understand the managerial decision of not pushing him too hard on consecutive days, even with a day off. But that's kind of letting this closer of the future actually close the games he should be closing out.
0: Sure, and he also made a comment, of course, on social media about the fact that you know some people had reached out to him, doing the typical "oh, you're a bum." It's one thing to say that amongst your friends, but then to go out of your way to go into someone's yeah. uh, DMs and communicate that, uh, this person also. <laughs> uh, mental health matters, yeah. except when it's... It's it, not good. Not when it's somebody else's mental health, only yeah. when it's yours. Yeah, uh, not cool. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people can be very uh, narcissistic and very self-centered uh, in that way. And yeah, that's a that's a double standard that uh, doesn't rest well. So I think, you know, does that have something to do with it too? Uh, sure. You, you don't necessarily need to push him. You know, is Justin Lawrence still the closer? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you know maybe this was an opportunity for Buddy to to get barred right uh, on on Tuesday with Hey Lawrence, we'll we'll have you hold the game down for two innings. The more important part, the seventh and the eighth, rather mm-hmm. than the the eighth and ninth, let's say. And so you go barred, doesn't really work out. I don't know that we have a of a closer issue in in general.
1: Not necessarily. I think that there is an angle that can be seen of. It's always been trying to get Bard right all season. Um, Some of the peripheral numbers show that there's still some, you know, instability that can come into his performances. But now if you're going out there and putting Daniel Bard in a save situation and saying, look, you're 2022 Bardo again. uh, And nice, clean ending. He's had a pretty good July up to this point, too. So, you know, if they're looking at a trade angle, it only helps further the case if Bard pulls this one off, looks like he's good, as always, and looking more like the 2022 form you give him that opportunity when you compound that with how Lawrence had a longer day yesterday and maybe anything that's going on off the field. So I think there is a visible angle of the decision from that perspective. Uh, but when you see it all kind of turn into an absolute calamity, you, you second guess it. It's easy to open the door on that. Yeah, we
0: actually have video from the postgame clubhouse uh, of Daniel Bard talking about uh, the unfortunate blown save and the loss on Wednesday afternoon
2: had kind a of hard time finding my delivery, I mean, felt just as good physically and everything going into it as I have the last, I don't know, three weeks, and so, you kind of always feel like you're one pitch away mm-hmm. from finding it, and I, that's how I felt the whole inning. You know, it almost got myself out of it, even though bad it started, but, yeah, just even to the last hitter, it was still just the delivery wasn't there, and I kind of battling it, but, um those days, it's kind of, kind of You get a ground ball to the left side, and you thinking this is it. Yeah. I mean, you're hopeful that it's yeah. a hit at somebody. And Sometimes they're just, the you know, ground balls are a blessing and a curse. Sometimes they get you two outs, sometimes they roll through and get you none. So um, it is what it is, it's just well placed. You know, this has been a pretty good road trip for you guys the last couple of games. Got away late, but. Do you feel like this team is playing better baseball? Playing way better. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the offense is coming around. Some some of these young guys are having they're getting better every week. Um, just the more the more big league pitching they're seeing, the better they get. Um, you know, we continue to you know, play good defense. The starting pitching's kind of come around the last you know, week or so, which is awesome to see. See Pete have a start like that. Um, the bullpen, I think, has been a strong point of this team, and we just kind of we let, it, we let them down the last two nights, the last two games, and, uh, you know, nobody's perfect, but, yeah, i, I got to be better than that.
0: Bard owning that there, of course, uh, the Rockies fall to 6-5 and five mm-hmm. since the All-Star break. Math the the numbers, hard. well, yeah, well, everyone was already counting on the sweep uh, Tuesday, mm-hmm. I mean, we were, we were looking at a much more solid record uh, for the, the second half, the start of. You know, I, I got to thinking the wheels are turning. Hey, you know, Justin Lawrence is still the closer. Daniel Bard's a great second option. Does what happened over these last two days somehow change the mind of the Rockies front office to, th- you know, rethinking or second-guessing, eh, maybe we shouldn't try to trade, you know, two bullpen pieces and a Brent Suter and a Brad Hand or or even... You know, mm-hmm. take advantage of a of a market on Jake Bird that might be really high right now, or even Justin Lawrence, let's say, and they hold on to those guys now because they're they're worried about overexposing. I mean, this happens to Justin Lawrence, it happens to Daniel Bard, and it happens to players of any ilk. But imagine if you know you're you're down another veteran in that bullpen and you're counting on a Gavin Hollowell or Victor Vodnik is coming up. You probably don't want that for those young guys to be in those situations. Is the front office have to second guess things a little bit, or do they need to still stay on track and do what Bud Black said, and let's make a couple more moves, or that we're going to make a couple more moves before the August first trade deadline next Tuesday?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes them reconsider, because um, there's nothing more deflating than bullpen losses, and I think today was a kind of a good example of how it it could really be demoralizing for the group, because you have um, you have. Uh, eliris montero going deep you have ryan mcmahon hitting a moonshot you have tolia contributing these are kind of core position players that you expect to be around over the next couple of years or at least you think that way of the young guys um, that put together a good ball game behind peter lambert that puts you in a position to win and it all falls apart at the very end now you don't expect that to happen out of a daniel bard but maybe if we're giving riley pint a nice long stretch at the end of the season in some higher leverage situations or something, and this becomes a recurring theme. Yeah, it's demoralizing. So um, I think that it's a bad move to say, oh, well, we can't have more of this. Let's keep some more veteran, trustworthy hands around to avoid this happening more often. Um, I think that's too much of a gut reaction over the whole situation. Uh, But, you know, hey, they've really leaned on the bullpen a lot to this point in the season, so they're kind of already made their bed in this way with some guys like Bird, Bard, Lawrence, you know, I think Lawrence a little flat yesterday, and I think just yeah. the workload is part of that. So um, I, I would say, you know, stick to the plan, honestly, and just kind of move some veteran ass, assets is the way they need to to go with it.
0: I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it has to be that it's again, it's a shame because then there will be some negative ramifications, as you said, mm-hmm. that's going to maybe overexpose some of those young guys. Uh, put put a guy like Lawrence in a more difficult spot. You know, you might not be able to give him certain rest days maybe uh, when you'd like. Also, you can if, you know, you don't necessarily have to try to avoid 100 losses. Yeah. You just go out there and play and say, hey, no, we're we're going to let Lawrence rest. We can't afford to have another guy uh, out with Tommy John surgery. So we'll just have to do what we need to do with, you know, quad A kind of players or even just young triple A relievers. Like if if it comes down to that. That's still better than the alternative, which is just standing pat and not improving your farm system and increasing the likelihood of some kind of postseason window opening up in the Mm -hmm. next couple seasons.
1: I think they're in... For, for how much of the discourse has been about the pitching health of the organization, specifically in the starting rotation, they're actually in a decent spot when it comes to the upper-level relief pitching side. Yeah. So there is a little bit more reinforcement on that front than there is on some other side. So, if okay, if you are down Brad Hand... Or Suter or Bard or you know a, a couple of guys. You still have a lot more innings out of Nick Mears that you can probably get. You still have the opportunity for someone like Dugan Darnell, who was shot up to the AAA side, to hey give now. him a chance. Riley Pint fits into that category too. So it's not that there's not alternative arms, and I think that's the problem with the rotation: is they simply just need guys out there. That's why you're seeing Jake Bard or Jake Bard, uh, Jake Bird doing the opener right now. They're having to get creative because they simply don't have the bodies to fulfill the need. I don't think that's necessarily the case in the bullpen. So, yeah, it might stink and there might be some clunkers where it all falls apart later in the season. But it's not really a season where that's impacting them from being able to achieve something bigger.
0: Yeah. As you mentioned, Riley Pint, uh, he was promoted um, ahead of I want to say it was Tuesday's game. Mm-hmm. Right. Carl Kaufman got the win on Monday. He goes back down. He's on the I-25 Express. So uh, we, we raise our glasses uh, to Riley Pine, uh, uh, a glass of bourbon. In fact, uh, from Breckenridge Distillery, the official bourbon of the Denver Broncos, widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey, a high rye mash, American-style whiskey. I pray Anywhere is the hashtag. Hashtag pray Anywhere because you can do that with one of the most highly awarded craft bourbons in the U.S., founded back in 2008, in fact, world's highest distillery. And that's not just a play on words because it's at altitude. No, no, no. They won so many awards, the list is just... Too dizzying to actually run through. Uh, you can go online, check it out at BreckenridgeDistillery.com. See all their wonderful awards. See all the great options that they have. They also have home delivery as well. Uh, you can't beat that. You also can go down to the farmhouse. So they got an immersive, immersive guest experience. You can even go there and uh, watch some of the World Cup games if you're closer to there uh, than the DNVR bar. So go to BreckenridgeDistillery.com. Available in all 50 states. Again, home delivery on that. Can't be beat. DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers, you know that when you go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and you use code DNVR, you bet just $5 and you score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-325-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org in New York. Call 877 877- 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY in Kansas. Call 1 800 522 4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas and West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino and Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit CCP. G.org, 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, one boost per eligible game, opt-in required, max bet $50, 10 or more for 100% boost. Eligibility and wagering and deposit restrictions apply. My DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week, if you're looking to get creative, The Washington Nationals are pretty darn hot (laughs) right now, and they're plus 170 against the Mets, who, on a game-to-game basis, you just never know what you're getting. Kodai Senga is a NL Rookie of the Year candidate. He was in Seattle for the All-Star game, but you know I like the number, plus 170 for Josiah Gray and the Washington Nationals on Thursday.
1: Bet against the Mets, honestly, is the way that that one feels, and And that's not a bad bet.
0: It's kind of like 51% just betting against the Mets, Mm -hmm. and... 49% going with somebody like the Washington Nationals. As you mentioned earlier, a lot of the young guys hitting home runs. Montero, uh, homers early. Another two-run inning, Mm -hmm. series of two-run innings, all three games here in Washington, D.C. That home run actually extended the Rockies' active consecutive game streak of 11 consecutive games with home runs. The longest active in baseball, McMahon goes second deck. Michael Tolia, homers, 22, I wanna say now, home runs since the All Star break. That's over 20% of the season long home run in only about 10%. No, yeah. my math is wrong on that. Less no, than. in 3% yeah. of the games. Where yeah. did I get 10%? In, th- in 3% of the games, you're getting almost a quarter of your home runs on the season. Yeah. And, and, and most of these have been on the road.
1: Yeah, it, it just goes to show kind of that, that sinking feeling that the offense hasn't been there the whole time. You get a two-week stretch like this, and you're like, this is this is what it's supposed to be. This is supposed to be you just trying to out-hit your problems, which is the stigma of the Rockies, and they've kind of been doing that. That's been a piece of why they've been playing 500 ball, basically, since the break.
0: You know they're going to hit, except <laughs> if you've been watching them long enough. You know that that's not always true. But the, the nice thing about this consecutive homer streak for the Rockies is it's been so many of the young guys. Mm-hmm. Nolan Jones, he's always at 450. Montero now may be getting the ball rolling. Tovar has done it. Uh, we saw him on Tuesday with his 10th home run of the season. But Black, of course, asked about it. Had to comment earlier today about all these young guys hitting home runs for the Rockies that you just love to see.
3: Yeah, we've been talking about that—the the homer or, or lack of the homer all year—and it showed up, uh, you know, on this road trip. So, three today. Uh, hope it continues. Right, we got power, but it's we got to generate it, and we did uh, we did today. And in in this in uh, this uh, you know this road trip down in Miami, we had homers and we had homers today in this uh, in this series.
4: It was a big power day too for the young players too, uh, Montero and Tolia.
3: Yep, uh, good one for for Monty. Got the hanging breaking ball. Uh, and barreled it up. Uh, Michael, uh, an opposite field homer. He hit the opposite field homer against Cole. Uh, there's, there's a pull homer in there. You know, he's still, you know, he's still fine on his way, but that's, it's, a, it's a good sign that, you know, he barreled up a high fastball and he's got he's got that type of power. Uh, Mac hit a low changeup. That was good. But good to see from Montero and Tolia, for sure. That gives those guys confidence.
0: And the other big takeaway, of course, from Wednesday's game, Peter Lambert. That's it. It, it, it. He it needs to be hyphenated. It needs to be like two names. Tur. All
1: caps. All caps. He, dude, he's been rocketing in July. He's been great.
0: Yeah, he started a game on July first. Only was able to go three innings because in you know they're still stretching him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but between the three innings there, five shutout innings in Miami, six uh, un- unearnedless innings. How do you say scoreless? So, like he yeah. didn't give up any earned runs. He gave up a run. But it's not charged against his ERA. How we got to get a
1: little long with it? So it's, it's what uh, eight innings without allowing an no, earned run? You're cheating. But you're yeah. cheating. We yeah. can't. We, I, we it needs to be I, six.
0: Unearnedless
1: doesn't earned, roll off the tongue.
0: Earnedless? I, <laughs> I don't care. I don't. I don't mind changing uh, words in the dictionary and the vernacular of baseball. We need to uh, figure that out. But yeah, mm. that's that's great. I mean, that's 14 innings in the month of July. Could be six or 14 responsible innings. Hey, when you pitch, pitch responsibly, <laughs> right? Don't be walking,
1: guys. Four str- walks for Daniel strikes. Bart still. Yeah, so, I mean, with Bard, you see the catastrophe when he was just immediately all over the place. But um, <laughs> one thing that's been a big part of Peter Lambert right now is he was kind of hovering around that 50%, you know, every now and then as he was building up, strike percentage. And now he's pretty well over two-thirds. Yeah. He's around 66%, 67%. So, It's not a high strikeout guy. It's not somebody who's blowing into weight, but it's not a lot of hard contact. It's not a lot of damage that he's giving up either. Um, In the 14 innings in July, just eight hits. So, I mean, it's more consistent and it's attacking the zone a little bit more directly. This is something you needed to start seeing build from somebody like Lambert to give hope that there is some pitching depth that can be consistent. And you hope for the same thing from Kaufman. And if Chriswell comes up at some point, kind of seeing the same steps. So it's been a big step, at least in July for Lambert.
0: First pitch strikes have been, I think, really key for him mm-hmm. today as, as well as, as in Miami. And, and with Peter Lambert, again, it's only two real big boy starts, right? The three innings, again, stretching them out. That's sure. nice. Uh, two really good starts, but it does make you hopeful mm-hmm. for 2024. It does make you think, Man, the Rockies really need, need Peter Lambert to be a guy, even if it is a number four or five starter, because right now the rotation at the start of next year is essentially Kyle Freeland,
1: somebody in game two. Gomber. you Do you
0: want to go back-to-back lefties?
1: Presumably. I Do you want to go back-to-back lefties or whatever this 2024 version of Jose Arena is?
0: I mean, yeah, well, the the 2023 version of Jose Urania is on another roster
1: right now. He hasn't been claimed. Looking forward to next year. I just, yeah, I'll I'll go back-to-back lefties. I'm fine with Gomber. He's shown enough.
0: Well, I, so let's talk about Austin Gomber, too, Mm -hmm. because I sort of, in in talking about the rotation, thinking about next year uh, already, which I know a lot of Rockies fans are kind of doing, but also in a positive way, because look, you're looking at all these young guys and you're going, hey, I like what I see. I'm excited for a full season of Nolan Jones. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, no we'll kidding. talk plenty about him. But if Gomber is the number three starter, what you are giving him is the Kyle Freeland slot, and he gets to start the home opener uh, as the number three guy for what would be game number eight. Because, yeah. would it be game number eight? Yeah, because they play four in San Diego. Three in Chicago against the Cubs. You don't have the 2024 schedule memorized, Kenneth?
1: Uh, no, but I'm a fast typer. I, You,
0: You might not. I, I don't know <laughs> if I could have you back. I know, I, All man. my guests need to memorize the schedule already.
1: I know. I, I'm caught red-handed on this one. I get it.
0: I'm going to give you to the end of the show to memorize the spring training schedule <laughs> okay. now. All
1: right? Uh, but a lot no. of games against the Diamondbacks. I know that much. Oh, yeah. And the final <laughs> two
0: against Milwaukee. So yeah. uh, as long as you got that, you can fake the rest. But, yeah, Gomber, <laughs> so fantastic. Really has gone back to that 2021 Gomber mm-hmm. that we saw. Now it's funny going into the season, best start of the year. I kinda I didn't go with the chalk. I didn't I didn't go with Freeland, Senzatella, Marquez. I went with Gomber because I saw what he was able to do in 2021. And he's doing it again now. Susie actually went with Peter Lambert. And now, boy, oh boy, man, that that young yeah. man uh, is looking better and better. But six innings pitched on Tuesday. Six hits, no walks. One run, four strikeouts, eight consecutive starts of one or less walks, tied for third most uh, in franchise history. Jeff Francis did it across. He did it for like seven or did like eight starts, and then number nine was uh, at the start of the the 2013 season. But in 2012, he did it nine times. But the franchise record,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Austin Gomber in 2021, wow. did it 11 consecutive times, walking one or less batters. Uh, hasn't walked a batter in 27 consecutive innings. Now the longest in team history, surpassing closing legend. Number two on the all-time saves list for the Rockies, Jose Jimenez. He's been outstanding in his last eight starts going back to June 10th.
1: Yeah, and we talked about the big steps that we've seen with Peter Lambert in July. Uh, you've been seeing that a lot with with Gombert, but there was already um, some evidence of the pitcher that Gombert can be. And mm. I think that just this year, there was more responsibility placed on his shoulders. And I, I don't know if that affect or how much that affected his performance, but I think that that's part of it. Um, anytime you're seeing a Marquez go down, you already knew you were without Sensitella, maybe some other guys in the rotation aren't carrying their weight. That makes you lean that much harder on some other guys. And whether or not Gomber was at that point to um, be able to carry that, maybe not. But I think he's been able to just settle in, he's been able to find a little bit more comfort. In whatever his game is and that command has come back as we talked about with Lambert just going out there and attacking even if it's not gonna be double-digit strikeouts every single time out it's giving your team a chance to win and I think Gomber has just kind of really started figuring that out and being confident and being that guy again
0: and I think if you had two of the three either you know between Marquez Senzatela and even Feltner let's throw him in and of course we didn't mention him you could slot him at least you know, a month into the season, you would have said, "Okay, Feltner as your number two. True. If those other two guys, uh, and Zatella Marquez are out uh, again, we don't know what the future of his career or his life is going to be like. Just hope he's healthy. That's Absolutely. the bottom line. Anything you get over that, obviously, is is going to be gravy. But you know, if two of those three guys between Marquez Cinzatella and Feltner are are healthy, you go maybe you dangle mm-hmm. Austin Gomber as a trade chip. How much are you going to get for a guy that's been volatile? But." Going back to June 10th, you say, hey, man, see what this guy can do. Uh, And in the right system, how much more can he, you know, take off? Like, I was going back and and looking, uh, you know, Pirates, uh, Alika Williams just got promoted. And uh, I go, oh, yeah, that's right. The Robert Stevenson deal. I see you pointing to your ASU Devils hat. There you go. But, hey, good for him. Yeah. And good for the Rays. Like, I was kind of shocked. You go, wait a minute. You gave up one of your top-round picks from 2020. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who's really close to the majors, you know, middle infield kind of guy, and you got Robert Stevenson, who the Rockies just kind of let go. Well, what has Tampa done with Robert Stevenson? Look at his numbers. He took another major step forward. So in the right system, there are teams out there where if they come calling, you go, you want Austin Gomber? You got to pay. You got to pay. I got to play hardball with you. You could have maybe gotten something good for him because he only has two more years after the season before he reaches free agency As it were with the injuries, you got to hold on to the guy.
1: Yeah. And I think when it comes to just kind of the surface stats with somebody like Gomber, uh, nobody's coming in trying to bang down the door for I want, you know, that four and a half, five ERA kind of guy that is what you've seen. Um, It it begs the question of what do you know that we don't? And if you look at somebody like Jordan Montgomery, let's say, and the way that he's been able to transition since he got to the Cardinals. I think that's a good parallel for maybe what somebody could see in a austin gomber when put in the right situation the right environment what have you um so you kind of have to demand a price in that respect and if somebody sees that hey this could be our jordan montgomery in 2024 let's Mm -hmm. say okay then you're gonna pay for what jordan montgomery did in 2023 kind of thing um so that's i mean that's the whole point of the the trade negotiations and listening and and, and entertaining offers it could be something that benefits the organization in the long run, but you'd also have to backfill that spot in the rotation. That's the other side of it. Can you do both? And that's, as a Rockies fan, you kind of have to question if, if they can do both.
0: And I, I think winning a trade is not terribly important right no. now. It's, again, just getting something for what would ultimately be nothing, not in the case of Austin Gomber, but in case of these guys on expiring deals. Because sure. if you had done that the last two offseasons, you could have had more flexibility and been able to dangle Austin Gomber when his stock is incredibly high. Mark uh, on the DMVR Sports channel live here on YouTube says, I just don't understand. It's like they lost today's game on purpose. I understand how some fans could look at this game and say, oh, it's like going with Pierce Johnson there in early June, you know, Mm -hmm. in Kansas City and seeing some of those blown saves. And you just got that feeling of like, I don't know. I got a bad feeling about it. Who would have given you a better feeling? We both said maybe Justin Lawrence, yep. but you could see, why not? You already used Brent Suter there mm-hmm. in that spot. Any other matchup? Uh, you know, look, even if you would have given up two runs, even if you would have given up three runs, uh, Bard, you still could have come back and won that game. As it were, he gives up the unfortunate, uh, or rather, you know, Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Cook. <laughs> Whew, it's hard. <laughs> I You got to think. Cook... Uh, gives up the walk off hit, but even still, um, you know who who was a better option. It, it just is what it is.
1: Yeah, and I think you know it's it's playing the cards you're dealt. I think as I mentioned earlier, when this disaster strikes, it's easier to second guess. I think that one there's always been the initiative of trying to get Bard right and trying to get Bard settled, and this was an opportunity to do it. Maybe you could have stretched Suter a little bit longer, but you didn't want to overplay your hand there. Like maybe they black that maybe black felt like he did with Lawrence the day before it's a very understandable decision again it's just kind of seeing what bad could happen when daniel bart is uh struggling with his control and his command and so it's it's just unfortunate if it had worked out the other way though i see the other side of the coin where oh, he pitches a clean ninth hey we had the chance to trade daniel bart before to get those assets that can help in the future this dude's rolling I don't see many teams that would really, you know, stick their nose up at a guy throwing a 97 mile an hour sinker with a dirty slider mm-hmm. and is now putting up a 1.5 ERA and a corresponding whip. You could have put yourself in that situation if it had worked out the right way. And so maybe that's just the decision you make on the fly, you know, um, yeah. and it just didn't work out. And that's the hard part.
0: It's not Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacking. It's Wednesday afternoon podcasting, <laughs> I guess, is probably what we could call it. Look, we're, we're giving all this praise to Austin Gomber. Buddy himself is also buzzing about Austin Gomber and what he's been able to do yeah. for uh, a, a pitcher's manager, a guy who was a pitcher in the big leagues, hates walks. Austin Gomber, the antithesis of what Bud Black hates. Therefore, he loves Austin Gomber. Here's what he had to say.
4: I want to bring it back to Austin Gomber. He hasn't walked a batter in 27 innings, and that's a Rockies club record. So you must yeah, love that. I love that.
3: <laughs> you know how I think about the, you know, the walk. So good for him. I didn't know that. I know that he's been throwing strikes and he has been walking people. So that's a, you know, that's a nice feather in his cap. For that's a that's a nice uh, that's a nice stat. Well, I mean, a
1: lot of that's probably just not getting the three ball counts in the first place. Um, you know, getting early contact or. I'm getting in plus counts and then trying to, you know, in the A-B and not get into those longer a um, You know, part of that is probably some luck, you know. Uh, 27 innings is a long time. I'm um, not really, you know, I don't pitch to avoid the walks. I just, you know, I'm attacking, trying to throw strikes. I feel like, you know, last month or so I've just been in a spot where I've been able to command all four pitches and, like I said, just not really putting myself into bad counts. Um, I feel like I'm getting 0-1 a lot. When it's 1-1, one, one, I'm getting to 1-2 and, and just trying to, you know, end the at-bat as soon as possible. Or then when I get to two strikes, going for, you know, if I go for the strikeout, whatever the case may be. But um, just trying to avoid, you know, 2-0, 2-1, 3-1. It's the best way to avoid damage.
0: Summertime is time for Shady Rays. They've got you covered from the sun to the slopes probably not slopes right now it's more of sun but you can you can go ahead and procure your slopes shades from shady raids when you use code dnvr you get to buy one you get one free if you lose or break your glasses or i'm assuming your goggles too your snow your snow goggles your protection uh, don't think we're going to need them here for the clubhouse in October. Not um, this time. But I can't wait for that to happen. Someday <laughs> we'll be wearing Shady Rays. We'll be covered up. It'll be fantastic. Uh, if we happen to lose or break our shades in that celebration, I know I'd probably just keep it. I would just I would just eat the cost. But you out there, if you happen to break or lose them, you uh, they'll hook you up. They'll give you a new pair if you don't like what you got. They'll give you a full refund within 30 days. Go down to the Park Meadows Mall, buy two or more pairs of polarized shades, and you get 50% off. It's an independent sunglass company. Help them out. It helps us out. Five stars by over 200,000 people. It's amazing, much like game time. Game time tickets, that's the spot to go. If you're going to any event. Now, if you're on the upper end, going to something where it's hard to get a ticket, you can always get a ticket to something. It's just The cost of the ticket. Well, the cost is going to be $20 less when you use promo code DNVR, or it's going to be 60% off the face value because game time allows you to wait closer to the start of the event. So if you're traveling or if you're coming here to Denver and you're like, ah, I might want to take in a Rockies game, depends on the price. Look, you're probably going to get less than face value for the A's this weekend. Although there is a bobblehead on Saturday. There is a a cool cargo cap on Sunday. And not cargo like... You know, it's got pockets for you to put stuff in. <laughs> Carlos Gonzalez cargo. You can make
1: it cargo. A cargo, cargo.
0: Could be. Do you need a carrying case for that cap? So it would be cargo for your cargo, cargo cap? I,
1: I would appreciate it. I don't know if it's necessary, though.
0: That's it. And you could, again, have an extra 20 bucks and all kinds of savings in your pocket because you use Game Time Ticket app. Uh, because, again, use that, sign on, use promo code DNVR. Even if you get 60% off the face value, you get another twenty bucks on top of that. You can't beat it. It's amazing. I've gone to Red Rock shows for fifteen bucks. Go to Game Time tickets. Check them out. Fantastic. Randall Grichik. Did he get a hit today? I don't think he did. I think he was on the outside looking in. He did have a nine-game hit streak. Had two hits. Boy, his stock has got to be really high. Even stole a base there late in the mm-hmm. game uh, that ended up being pretty important. He ends up scoring on an Elias Diaz single who had three hits himself uh, on Tuesday night. And Ezekiel Tovar, uh, as mentioned, he homered. That was his 10th. Put him in a tie for the RBI lead at 47. I think him, Diaz, and McMahon are all sitting at 47. Even, I tweeted this out, at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter, the similarities, did you see this? The similarities in the rookie seasons between Ezekiel Tovar and Nolan Arenado are eerily similar, Ooh, Kenneth. All right. Very, very similar. Now, on the defensive side, it's like, well, no one is Nolan. And I still don't think we've seen those kind of plays from Tovar just yet. We've seen a couple of really good not ones. Quite. But not, again, also at third base.
1: This is an apples to oranges comparison to begin with.
0: But the metrics-wise, we're talking about two beautiful... Fuji apples, I mean, they're a little more pricier. (laughs) A little more gala. But they're sweet. I love a good gala. You know, hey, if if you can only swing a Red Delicious lunchbox (laughs) size, so be it. I love apples. That being said, (laughs) defensive metrics, love Tovar. I think uh, NL shortstops, Mm -hmm. he is second in defensive run saves. And in outs above average, he's tied for second in the uh, NL among shortstops. So maybe he's at the start of a streak like Nolan has done. And then the offensive numbers, batting average is about the same, right around 270. Mm -hmm. And again, still a lot of baseball left for Tovar. Home runs, um, I think think Arenado only had 10 that first year, so he's already there. In fact, he has 11 if you want to include uh, his home run against Kershaw, and and I do for these purposes. (laughs) Uh, And on-base percentage and slugging, actually, I think, favor Tovar. At least slugging favors Tovar, on-base might favor Arenado, But the numbers are eerily similar for what Tovar has done in his age twenty-one season versus what Nolan Arenado did in his age twenty-two season.
1: Yeah, and Arenado um was was the funny part is that it was completely opposite on the scouting report where they knew Arenado was going to hit and whether or not he was gonna stick at third base was kind of an initial question with him as mm-hmm. he was coming up. And then Tovar was this stalwart defensively, but let's see how the bat is able to play. Sure. Um heading into the season, I felt like the biggest headline was always gonna be what is Ezekiel Tovar's rookie year? Because he's a, a poster child along with Veen, at least heading into this season of, okay, this is the future starting to arrive. The level of consistency and professionalism that he's had to be able to stick and be productive at the major leagues. Sure. And continue to progress on the offensive side without really having any major lapses on the defensive side is the takeaway is, is the season and is easily the biggest part of, you know, something to be optimistic about moving forward. Um, if you you can't say it lightly, especially just in rocky circles, of bringing up the name Nolan Arenado as kind of the, the starting point. Right. Um, but if you're having that same guy in the conversation, or that, that guy in the same conversation, that shows the significance of what Tovar's doing this year.
0: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, That's why I had to put that out there, man. Baseball reference, the comparison tool. I looked at that and I go, holy smoke, Because it was the home run number mm-hmm. that first did it. I'm like, all right, well...
1: You 10, know, forty. Who, yep, ten who, with forty-nine runs and fifty-two driven in. It's similar, yeah. It and
0: and you know, uh, Tovar for a while is going to be uh, the guy with the most home runs before the age of twenty-two. Right, mm-hmm. he's got eleven now. I think there's only been like uh, Roberto Mejia might have hit four. Tulo hit one. Yep. So I think that's it for guys who have homered before it's age twenty-two. It's a pretty 22. small group, yeah. And then if you say you know before the age of twenty-three, all right. Tulo's getting in the conversation there with, with his 2007, but even still, you like Tovar's chances uh, to get up there, and that's where I just oh okay, yeah. wait a minute, they, yeah. get, these guys are, have been really similar so far. So and it's
1: in 40 less games for Tovar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, right? There's some there's some differences in there. I mean, the strikeouts and, and the plate approach definitely stands out in the numbers individually, but just the fact that he's showing the same level of production that Arenado is, and also kind of 40 less games, <laughs> it shows this guy can be a star. It's I mean, that's great. really what it's all pointing to is this guy absolutely can be a star. And he's putting up the statistical data that, you know, reflects that.
0: It's it's exciting to think yeah. about, you know, like, again, by the time Nolan ended up le- uh, leaving he was Nolan Arenado, you know, but in his rookie year in 2013, it was, all right, here's a young guy. Let's keep our eye on them. It's kind of a lost season. Definitely a lost season. Todd Helton's Mm -hmm. winding down. That's his, that's his final season. So all eyes are pretty much on Todd and all the ponies that they're bringing into to to give him to whisk him off, uh, you know, into the darkness as, as it were, (laughs) Uh, but to pasture, yeah, the horse and Helton. you know, (laughs) why not? So it's, it's, it's really just good to see that, you know, he's been able to, You Live up to the hype just a little bit. I think, you know, Arenado got one third-place vote in uh, 2013. I don't think we have, going back then, the breakdown of who the voters were. I have an idea of what city that voter might have come from. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two votes. You know who got two votes, two third-place votes in 2013? Oh, God. So one more than Arenado? No.
1: Jed Jerko. Oh. Come on. How about that for a name? The Jerko. Jed Jerko. Current, Gotta be a double unique, right? Yeah. Current manager, I think, in like uh the Dreamers League. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. So he he like retired, apparently, nobody knew that, and then just started <laughs> taking a managerial role in one of the new MLB summer leagues.
0: Is Alan Craig retired? He's another one of those guys where That's I just question. feel like
1: every every cardinal from like those early twenty tens. Every. Yeah. Yeah, and probably. A
0: couple, and a couple of Padres. Khalil Green, is he in there? Did you see well, that Jed thing? Well,
1: Jed Jerko was covering both at that point. There you go. Yeah. That, that,
0: that's where my head's going, of course. <laughs> yeah. The wheels are turning. Did you see that thing? I don't know who put that out there. I think uh, Evan Lang, I I uh, shout out to him from Purple Row, uh, put something out there about the home run derby with Tyler Nevin in no. Iowa or something. It was some kind of legends home run derby. I think it was just a bunch of guys in their 30s, uh-huh. a bunch of former Rockies, and then like high school kids in a home run derby. And I was like,
1: "Okay, that's right. you got to advertise for these things." Yeah, uh, th- that's the new home run derby X. I,
0: I, I'm game. <laughs> I'm game. You got to advertise for those things. And as we advertised, Susie Hunter live from Washington DC. Let's get her in there. Let's get the breakdown. Let's see if uh, you know if the eyes are are you know little red cheeks puffy like tough loss. But we got to be we got to be tough. <laughs> there you go. She's like, "What? Yeah. What are you talking? We're not all crying. We've gotten over it."
4: I was gonna say there's no crying in baseball Patrick sometimes it takes me a minute to figure out what you're talking about um but yeah two really tough losses in a row it's so crazy how two games in a row we have this lead the Rockies are doing well the Rockies have actual power in their offense and then these games have just have just fallen apart at the last minute and it's just been two really tough games in a row out here Patrick
0: yeah it's been been really bad last night was also a, a bad scene, obviously, with the, the blown save there by Justin Lawrence. Yeah. Also a bad scene with the the rain delays. Like, we haven't talked about that at all. Mm. Weird one. Uh, Jack Corrigan kept saying on Koa, like, you know, if we had just started on time when there was no rain, we probably could have just gotten the whole thing in before the second rain delay, which should have been the first rain delay, which wouldn't have even been a rain delay, because we would have started on time. Weird. Exactly.
4: Yeah, that is. That's what I thought you meant at first when you said it was a tough scene because it was a (laughs) tough scene for us. And I think that just set us all up for failure. I mean, it was, it was five hours of, you know, between suspension and actual play five hours. So it was ridiculous. It really, and Jack Corrigan was right. If there was no rain delay at the start of the game, when there was absolutely no rain, they never even pulled the tarp. We would have just gotten that game in before that second rain delay. That's exactly how it would have played out. So to you know be doing clubhouse interviews at midnight, ugh, didn't like it. it was a tough scene and a really tough turnaround for today's game because that was a noon game a little bit earlier than what we're used to. Tough scene all around guys.
0: So it was a five hour game. So you're saying it was like
4: 2022 kind of vibes? <laughs> well you know what it was like two hours it was like about two and a half hours of game time and about two and a half hours of weather delay so between the two that's where i'm getting yeah so at the end of the game they were like oh yeah time of play i don't have my notes right in front of me but it was like two hours and 20 minutes and we all just laughed in the press box like yeah sure i guess it was a two hour and 21 minute game but no
0: yeah that's calling a routine ground ball that gets booted by the shortstop a base hit Hold on now. I I see what you're doing there, but I got to disagree. Is it true that uh, Dave Martinez went around and personally thanked each individual person that stuck around for the final out on Tuesday night? I had heard rumors. Can you uh, clarify? I mean, I didn't
4: see that because we rushed down, you know, to talk to guys after the game. So I really didn't have any way of seeing if that happened or not. But that sounds pretty (laughs) realistic. It really was not a lot of people who stuck around. I'm not really good at estimating crowds, but not more than 100 people that's for sure and i would bet a good chunk of those people were family that belonged to Bretton doyle and also nolan jones had a bunch of family in town too because you know obviously he's from the philly area that's a super quick drive for them he got sent back down to albuquerque right before the rockies played in philly so this was kind of their first chance to see nolan jones too but yeah both Bretton doyle and nolan jones had a lot of people and i know a lot of their family and friends stuck around
0: Yeah, I know you got a chance to catch up with with Brett and Doyle. That was as close of a homecoming as it can be. He's from Virginia, went to school at West Virginia University. So kind of a perfect little triangle there uh, in in the beltway. Uh, It was was nice that he was able to, to get that support here. Still a rookie. He just got called up this year, too. So it's a first chance for his family to see him play in person as well.
4: Exactly. Definitely a homecoming for him, too, because he grew up going to Nats games. That was the closest baseball team to him. So absolutely a homecoming.
0: Chris Bryant, uh, we got some injury news on the IL again. Left index finger fracture. I know I'd kind of mentioned this a couple weeks ago, right, when he had first come back off the IL, that there was still a chance for him to play 162 games in his Rockies career by the end of this year. But now with there being only 60 left, he's at 107. He will not reach the 162 games played during his tenure at the Rockies until... April of next year at the earliest. What's been the vibe down in the clubhouse uh, and with the team just in general with uh, their big $182 million man on the IL?
4: Yeah, this is definitely a no-win situation for any of us because this is, uh, you know, a lineup that would love the power that Chris Bryant can bring, doesn't necessarily always bring, at least during his tenure with the Rockies. But this is, I mean, it's frustrating for him. It's so frustrating for fans. It's just no one's, no one's happy here. No one's happy.
0: <laughs> no one's happy here. No one's the happy. story of the 2023 Colorado <laughs> Rockies. More documentaries. We, how, by the way, what's the update? I know you're kind of the, the head producer there on two days in March. Uh, how is that documentary coming along so far?
4: Oh, yeah, it's already done. It's about uh, 30 seconds long.
0: Yeah. Wow. Do we have a release date for the big documentary of the Rockies being the best team in the baseball world uh, earlier this year, for two days we're actually, in March. Actually,
4: you know what? We've decided to not release it because it's too depressing.
0: Oh, see, I, I had, was gonna have family come in. I thought we were doing it at the Buell Theater. It's gonna be a whole thing, or maybe a, a, a purple carpet kind of thing. I guess not.
4: No, no, it's too, oh. too sad.
0: How is CJ Crone looking, walking around? I know he's been able to do. He's able to torque. He can torque. He can torque the hell out of a ball. Can't really play defensively held out of these uh, out of the series basically. And uh, you know, maybe we'll get him back on, on Friday and and maybe he can go back out on the the trade market. But still, if if he's not healthy, if he's not able to play uh, that's a, that's a disappointment in more ways than one.
4: Yeah. You know, buddy made it sound like CJ will be playing again really soon. We saw him take batting practice on Tuesday. So that was really promising. He definitely eased into it, but he was hitting some bombs. He looked pretty good. And buddy did mention that when CJ Crone does come back, He'll ease into being back by being in that DH spot, so that's exactly what we'll see. I think we'll see it pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think that's. Uh, I think that's good. Is uh, anything else from from DC down in the in the old Beltway?
4: Mm, you know what? It's been real hot and real humid, uh, but I have to say, the Nationals have some really fun in-game entertainment. They are doing the most they are doing a lot but uh they had a the thing that I thought was so funny this series they've done this celebration for shark week where in the middle of uh, it's like one of the later innings but in the middle of one of the later innings they have these people dressed in like the shark costumes kind of similar to what we saw when Katy Perry did that Super Bowl halftime show but they just go in the field and they dance it's very weird the whole it's so strange and it's so random. And I was like, why are we doing this? And so one of the other reporters local to D.C. was like, oh, yeah, it's Shark Week. They're just so always you- doing something weird. It was it's been so strange. <laughs> well, I was going to say like
0: an in-game promotion based around like a product.
4: It's not like, even a promotion. It's not promoting anything. It's just sharks. It's just sharks. So
0: you didn't see anything Go for Shark Week? Go
4: There's- look at my Twitter. I posted the video. Yeah, it's just for Shark Week. And it's not even promoting Shark Week.
0: But he said it's for Shark Week. But
4: it's but in it's honor of Shark Week, but it's not a sh- an ad for Shark Week.
0: Oh, okay. I was I was assuming there had to have been some some banners there. Not Don't an ad. It's
4: just no no ads. Just vibes. Wow. Super All strange. right. This feels yeah,
0: like it's fun. becoming like a, a national holiday, Shark Week. Now at this point, where everyone just knows, of course, you got to have some kind of in game promotion. They they should have gone one step further, and when they race the presidents, also have the presidents dressed up as. Sharks, which is canon because of Gerardo Parra, Baby Shark, Mm -hmm. Nationals 2019, World Champs.
4: Yeah, that was his theme song when he was with the Nats. Pretty fun. That's it.
0: Susie, you'll be back on Friday at 1 p.m. or 5 p.m. What are we looking at?
4: Okay, so it'll be me and Christian Sayas at 5 p.m. ahead of that as Rockies game. It's a home game. The boys are back in town. We're going to continue this week of playing the worst teams in baseball. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Love to see it. Question mark? What a sales pitch.
4: Yeah. Thank you. Thank Good. you.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Susie.
4: Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Kenneth.
0: Love that. That's great. Yeah. Man, did you did you catch up on any of the uh, Unite the Bay event last night in San Francisco? I you did know, not. Giants fans kinda trying to help out A's fans just a little bit.
1: No, I did not, but it, it's kind of fun to see all the, the rallying behind the Oakland A's fan base from from everybody in I oh, know. I support it the same way, man. It's it's not good.
0: Do you think we're more likely to see uh, at least one green sell shirt or an active A's player at the ballpark here this weekend? Uh,
1: I think green sell.
0: Yeah, Go I ahead. got. I, I think attendance has a chance to reach one hundred twenty thousand for mm-hmm. these three games. So mm-hmm. average about about forty thousand. Yeah. Uh, if I set the mark at one eighteen, you going over or under? Under. Okay. Yeah. All okay. right. One ten. Yeah,
2: let's you go just, over.
0: okay. Okay, yeah, all right. So we're right a, there. That's
1: that good median range. We're, we're right
0: there. About. That makes sense. Yeah, the mayor Shang Tao of Oakland did say that. Uh, you know, if if the A's do officially, officially, because it's not officially, officially, yeah. it's just kind of officially, mm-hmm. go to Las Vegas. Uh, mayor Shang Tao of Oakland said that Oakland would be interested in in an expansion franchise, which. It's kind of weird because it's almost like, hey, we want this. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, that's like, fine. Yeah,
1: the baseball equivalent of the Cleveland Browns. That's what I have
0: in my notes. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Browns moved to Baltimore. And they're like, all right. And then they ended up getting the history back, too. Mm-hmm. They, have, they somehow were able to do that.
1: Well, that opens up the whole can of worms of what would the Las Vegas team need to be named? Do they remain the Athletics? Uh, presumably. But if in this scenario, it's not Las Vegas and Oakland Athletics.
0: They would, yeah, they would almost have to immediately re- rebrand as something else. It
1: could go a Charlotte Bobcats Hornets route where there's the Las Vegas A's for five years. Mm-hmm. And then they decide, we don't want to do that. We want to be the Las Vegas Bryce Harper's so we can lure Bryce Harper over here. And then Oakland gets their name back because they have a new team after being the Oakland I mean- Cyclones for five years or whatever
0: that 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 works out yeah. that, the timeline hypothetical cyclones huh my baseball fiction put a pin in this one yeah. uh kenneth go ahead and uh, plug away let folks know where they can uh read all your work out at and uh and, and check you out on twitter and all that
1: jazz yeah so i'm at purple row i'm publishing every monday i got my rock piles and i have the uh, pebble report giving the full minor league rundown and then you can find me on twitter at kw 1988
0: recommend you do that recommend you do that recommend you also check us out On Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rockies for all the wildest Rockies takes. Uh, At Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter is where I'm at. And this has been quite momentous. But, Kenneth, there's a saying in in momentum in baseball and podcasts. And it's basically that your momentum is only as good as your next show. So it's actually going to be a great one. So come in, DNVR Sports Channel, live on YouTube at 5 p.m. right here on YouTube.